everybody. Welcome back. Wednesday, October 14th, 2020. It is 8.08 and 57 seconds. I am in a crowd of one, Michael Santa Maria, my roommate, who I have now been roommates with for two days, but have paid six months worth of rent, is sitting next to me as we kick off this podcast. It's a two-part podcast. A little bit of a shift, a little bit of a change. Pat Finn is driving to the Outer Banks to play some golf. Bryce Chalkley was going to be a guest, feeling a little under the weather. Hope you're all right, Bryce. Thinking of you, buddy. So what did we do? We brought in a good friend, a scribe of Saturday, a statistical genius, a statistical wizard, Sam Jesse. Let the people know who you are. Welcome to the Sons of Saturday. Well, I certainly wouldn't call myself a statistical wizard yet, but... um. I, I, I am a bit of a football nerd, I guess you could say. It's kind of my then my role here. But yeah, um, you know, one of the OG scribes of Saturday, um, heading up Locks of Saturday, which is our gambling article and podcast. Hit that up. Uh, we are actually recording right after this. So I'm going to be talking a lot tonight, but that's been awesome. It's been really cool. Um, and, and we have a lot of good content pumping out, uh, especially with football season uh you know really getting into the groove of things so really pumped up about it yeah and sam obviously being really 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 humble sam wrote the uh recruiting piece that gave an analytical deep dive into virginia tech recruiting which was absolutely fantastic and sam you do have another project working on i'm I'm not we didn't talk about it before the pod do you want to give like a little a little peek behind the curtain of what's going on or are we keeping it a secret what's what's going on what's going on yeah well i'll I'll give a peek behind the curtain uh robert irby and i actually are going to go into this one together we're going to look at the size on the offensive and defensive line. It's been a big shift for Virginia Tech in the past couple of recruiting cycles, uh, getting big, long defensive ends. And then the recruiting on the offensive line has definitely taken an uptick since Vance Vice has gotten here. And we just want to look into maybe not the recruiting numbers, but the size numbers. Um, what's the difference between having a six foot one defensive end versus a six foot six defensive end? Then, um, you know, there's stats and numbers to back that up. And I, I'm just really looking forward to this. And in, in my mind, this football season to me um, it is about the, the line of scrimmage is, you know, big boy football, especially for Virginia tech with a run game. And, you know, I'm really excited to dive into that. Absolutely. Fantastic stuff, Sam. You're doing a great job and we're excited to have you here uh, for the first time and hopefully the first of many. Um, but let's jump into Boston college, Virginia tech, the line is sitting at 11 points. Is that right, Sam? And what is the over-under coming up here? The line is at 11. Over-under is at 62. 62. So I'm just going to tell you, I'm not, I'm, I am not a lock of Saturday. I am not featured on that podcast. But if I'm just looking at it, 62 points out of a team that scores as much as we score and a team that throws as much as Boston College scores, kind of low. Would you, would you disagree? Well, considering that the matchups against Duke and NC State both had a total of 69, and then the matchup against UNC had a total of 101, uh, yeah, I'd say Vegas kind of missed the mark with this 62, especially with Hendon Hooker back. We'll absolutely see. So that's definitely storyline number one for me. Uh, I'll go ahead and dive into my storylines. I'm really excited to see Hendon play. Um, you know, we've kind of gone back and forth and, and for some reason, uh, with some folks on Twitter, I was never like, I never forgot how good Hendon was. Like I, I, am a firm believer that Hendon is the best quarterback in our quarterback room. 
it was more so just understanding, you know, him being healthy, him having the time to take in, get in practice reps and take full speed reps, getting able to, to get knocked around at practice a little bit, see live football plays, be in the meeting room. Again, since we don't have any information on kind of what his situation was or his availability, you know, this is consistently being downplayed, I think, as a whole. Coaches and players, just because they show up on game day doesn't mean that they're game ready. Um, not being able to practice, not being able to evaluate the talent that you have, not being able to watch or participate in middle drill, skelly, one-on-one, all of those are crucially important. And, um, you know, I think we are getting a good uh, bit of players back, which is going to be another big storyline. But I just – this is a storyline and a shout-out. We've talked so much. This is actually an Andrew Alex tweet. Let's not allow the running game to overshadow the fact that James Mitchell's development has been as advertised. He has caught a touchdown in all three games from a different quarterback each time. Against North Carolina, he passed the 100-yard mark for the first time in his short career, and he is leading the team in receiving yards. I said it on the last pod, and I've said it a couple times this year, we needed, needed, needed somebody to step up as a downfield threat for Virginia Tech this year. With the departure of, um, with, of Damon Hazleton or Damon Hazleton and the unfortunate injury to Jaden Payute, we really needed to create a dominant force down the field. James Mitchell has done that. Um, so curious uh, on your thoughts, Sam, and kind of what you think of that. Yeah, I mean, he is as advertised for the past two years now. And he gives you such a mismatch on the outside because he runs like a wide receiver and he's built like a tight end. And I don't think Virginia Tech has seen a, a player that athletically is dominant. Uh, you could say Bucky Hodge, Hodges, but he, he didn't really have this top-end speed that James Mitchell has. Um, this is what it looks like when you get a dominant athlete who can play football. It, it's really exciting. And with all the attention that's been given to Trey Turner, which I think we'll get into a little bit later, um, it allows one-on-one matchups with James Mitchell, and you can't ask for anything better. Uh, that fade route to a – I don't even know how big James Mitchell is, but he's going to be bigger than anybody covering him. Yeah, you throw that every time. So it's not surprising to see his numbers, but it's, it's awesome. Just an add-on for the Bucky Hodges comparison. I think Bucky Hodges was monumentally talented. And the one thing that I always that I noticed about Bucky, and James kind of took this step this year, is when you're that large, it's hard to have body control. That is where I think James is is just unbelievable. Is he's I think I want to say he's six four. Uh, if you can Google this while while we're talking here, Sam, uh, I believe he's six four. He's a basketball player, but his body control and his ability to adjust the, to the ball when it's in the air, create space for himself. That's really where his game has taken that next step. Uh, and he's become a dominant player. The way that we utilize him versus how we utilize Dalton Keene, who to be truthful, I think Dalton Keene over his career was a little bit underutilized, but the way we, we've been able to tweak our offense to be top 10 in total offense this year, missing the pieces that we're missing, um, you know, has just been unbelievable did you get that sam yeah he's listed at 63242 that's, that that's a pretty right. large man yeah he's pretty large man regardless but i think he he plays taller than that he's got those long arms he's got the vertical um yeah it, he's he's quite the weapon and if if you know we'll get into looking at some of the players for boston college but if there's a boston college podcast out there doing a game preview you bet they're talking about james mitchell and 100 percent good 
Hundred percent. So uh, before we move into the opponent's offense here, what are the what are the storylines, the overarching storylines that you're kind of interested in right now? Well, I mean, it's you know the title grabber is Hendon Hooker. Uh, QB one is back. Uh, we didn't do our hokey haiku. Oh, that's uh, right. Yeah, Damn, should we get into that? Oh, first and foremost, I'm so sorry. Our hokey haiku is brought to you as always by the Main Street Pharmacy. It is the best pharmacy in all of Blacksburg. They will greet you with a smile. I went on in there. We got the Lady Pac-Man machine on the side. Got some smart waters. You know, we got the Dora the Explorer band-aids if, you, if you're into that kind of thing. And Jeremy is clearing out a wall, the wall to your right when you walk in. Virginia Tech flags. The order was finalized today. Shirts, order was finalized today. Those are both going to be available at the Main Street Pharmacy and only the Main Street Pharmacy. Dr. Lord Jeremy Counts will always, always greet you with a smile. You are not a number. You are a neighbor. Sam Jesse, hit us with a hokey haiku. Old Big East rivals, bounce back opportunity. QB1 is back. Sam Jesse hopped on the podcast. I said, oh, man, we got to read a hokey haiku. Didn't know, just no notice. He goes, I got it. Put on the cape. Got it done. Sam Jesse, thank you for holding it down. And we'll just go ahead and kick it right over to the opponent's offense. And to kick that off, you know, a lot of people last week, who did Boston College play last week? They played Pitt? They played Pitt. They played Pitt. And a lot of people are like, oh, man. Those are two blue-collar teams. Those are two teams that love to run power. Those are two teams that love to run the ball. I'm sorry to break it to you. If you haven't watched Boston College this year, they are not a run-ball team anymore. They're airing it out. They're throwing it in the air, and they're getting it downfield. They're a completely new team this year. No more Steve Adazio. Got to say, love Steve Adazio. Went through the recruiting process. Huge Steve Adazio fan. Northeast guy. Tough guy. I like that guy. Anyway, it is the Jeff Halfley show. Who is Jeff Halfley? He was the co-defensive coordinator and the secondary coach at Ohio State. Let's talk about Boston College's offense. Last year, Boston College passed the ball 303 times. They ran the ball 648 times. And for 318 of those carries, it was going to A.J. Dillon. This year, they are at just over halfway to as many passing attempts that they had in all of last year with 152 and they have ran the ball 129 times. So it is a completely, completely new offensive philosophy over in Boston. Sam Jesse, talk to me about the offense and more specifically talk to me about the Ben Roethlisberger that they have lining up a quarterback. Well, his name is Phil Zhurkovich. Uh, He is a transfer from Notre Dame. And he does get a lot of Ben Roethlisberger comparisons. You know me, look, uh, many people follow me on Twitter now, diehard Cleveland Browns fan, and this is Steelers hate week, um, which is very personal to me. I did not know that you were a Browns fan. Oh, diehard. My dog's name is Baker. How did this happen? I lived in Cleveland for a few years, and Richmond doesn't have professional teams, so I just kind of adopted Cleveland teams, lucky me. Um, but yeah, the, I don't like the Ben Roethlisberger comparisons then. But you know, there's a lot in common. He's a big guy. He can. He has a cannon for an arm. Uh, he he's not going to blow you away with arm talent per se. Um, he's not Pat Mahomes really with um, you know the arm angles, quick throws. That's really not his game. He gets the ball downfield. 
but he has 65% completion percentage, which is right around the mark that you want your quarterback to be against competitive opponents. He's 30th in total QBR in the nation. So definitely top half. Uh, and considering that he's played four games, uh, three of them against pretty solid competition. Um, you know, that's, that's a good number. And again, back to your point, 38 attempts per game. That's huge. I mean, that's an NFL number. And it's totally different from anything we've seen from Boston College ever. Uh, they do run somewhat of the same offensive scheme, but they're just chucking it more. But with that comes more sacks, and they're actually being sacked 4.2 times per game. That is second to last in the ACC. It's one of the worst in the country. Uh, it, their offensive line is not built for pass protection, and it's showing here. Uh, this is what it looks like when you have a new coach come in and he has a lot of guys playing out of position. Uh, we'll get into that in the matchups, but this BC offensive line has a lot of talent, but they're just not built for throwing the ball 38 times a game. And so we'll see how uh, Djokovic looks. Yeah, I, uh, it's going to be an interesting matchup here. I know, yeah, in the matchups, definitely excited about our defensive line. They are due. They are due for, for a good game here after last week's showing. Uh, another thing that comes with the Boston College offense uh, is two receivers that are ranked number one and number two in the ACC in Zay Flowers and Hunter Long. Some really, really, really talented wide receivers. Um, so there's another point there. Let's break down the Boston College defense. Um, Sam, why don't you kick us off? Yeah, well, the best thing, if, if you don't know Jeff Halfley, if you remember watching the Clemson-Ohio State game from the playoffs last year, uh, the it was actually one of the best broadcasts of a college football game I've ever seen. And why is because they really went into the Clemson offense, which is very similar to Virginia Tech offense in terms of scheme, against this Jeff Halfley defense. Uh, what they're going to do is they give you a little bit of cushion. They're not going to be up in your face. They're going to give you five, six yards, but it's – uh, they're going to rush four on us every time, and they're going to look to gang tackle and come up and make plays, and you're going to have to nickel and dime them down the field. Um, I, I think it, it's something that works when you have really, really good defensive players, uh, guys who can lock up one-on-one -on -one receivers down the field. When you can have a defensive end like Chase Young really helps. Boston College doesn't have a guy like that, but being able to rush with only four, and then you can sit other people back, and they can read the play and be smart football players. Uh, it, it's really tough to run against them because they're not going to be super aggressive getting into uh, running lanes. They're not going to throw a ton of wild blitzes at you. But if you have the threat of a quarterback run, you can really throw off those linebackers and get them on their heels. They won't be able to read the play as quickly. And you know, I think that's where Tech is going to have to use that RPO game. I think that's where it's really helpful having Hendon Hooker in just from a decision-making standpoint. Um, and it's, uh, again, it's going to be really important to give your quarterback time because there's going to be, you know, instead of having five rushers every time on a passing situation, you're still only going to get four and you're going to have to find a, a area to throw the ball into. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's a quick rundown of the schematics of their defense. Um, you know, what you got Billy Mitchell. Yeah, so I'm just going to double down on their incredible linebacking core. Uh, they have the number one and number two tacklers in the ACC in Isaiah McDuffie and Max Richardson. Isaiah McDuffie is a very, very Boston College name. That's such a great Boston name. It is a fantastic Boston name. 
Um, and also being number one and number two in the ACC, they're ranked number two and number three nationally. So absolute tackling machines, kind of reminiscent of Virginia Tech's linebackers last year, hoping that they can step it up in this upcoming game. But um, yeah, I mean, what it comes down to is there's a lot of talent on this Boston College team. It's not the same Boston College team that we've seen. Uh, they played against North Carolina really, really, really well, where they were in a position to win that game against North Carolina um, just a few weeks back. So definitely a talented squad for Jeff Halfley. And then, Sam, I left the matchups to you. Talk to me a little bit about the matchups you do like going into this game. Yeah, so it's definitely the Virginia Tech defensive line against the Boston College offensive line. Uh, we talked about that earlier. And, look, Boston College playbook, that's opened up because they actually have a quarterback that can throw downfield now. They have a lot of guys that are playing out of position. And I think the one thing for Virginia Tech that really gets the team going is getting pressure with just four. And weren't really able to do that last week, but they had been able to do that against Duke and North Carolina State. And that game against Duke, I thought it was the best game Gerard Hewitt at defensive tackle has ever played for the Hokies. He was everywhere. He was so good. And then against UNC, I don't think a defensive tackle made a play the whole game. Um, do we get Deshaun Crawford back? He would start opposite of Gerard Hewitt. I, I think that would be really big. Um, and this is – it's just a better matchup for Virginia Tech getting those guys back from the secondary that we hope are back. Tisdale having a little more practice, potentially in Crawford back. They're not going to run up-tempo, uh, quick passes, RPOs, as crisp as UNC did. Uh, plays are going to be a little bit slower developing. It's going to be focused on trying to get the ball downfield. Um, and you're playing against guys who have, are playing at different positions, quite frankly. Um, they're, a lot of their talent – true, true offensive line talent is currently freshman and redshirt freshman. So they're working with some veteran guys, some good veteran guys, but they're playing out of position. And, and I think this is an opportunity for the Virginia Tech defensive line to get right. And we talk about get right games for that unit. This is, this is their game. The one thing that I would say uh, that concerns me after watching the UNC game, obviously I, I know the unit's better. I know that there's, there's talent on the defensive line, but you, you hit the nail on the head. Deshaun Crawford, like we need Deshaun Crawford back. I really feel like this unit is so thin right now, uh, and Deshaun Crawford is obviously a huge part of that. I know we've seen Fuga. I was actually surprised Fuga didn't get more reps in the last game, um, but again, like we just need more bodies on that defensive line um, and to find a way to get it done. Having the defensive backs come back, that's going to be huge. The fact that Shamari Connor had his, um, his, his, uh, his brain fart in the first half rather than the second, far, rather than the second half uh, was definitely beneficial. So we'll have Chamar- we should have Shamari Connor for the whole game tomorrow or on Saturday. Wow, what a, one, what a word, Wumble. Um, but no, really excited to have him back and have hopefully have Divine Diablo back and some other folks in the back end hoping that they're getting enough time to practice and all of that. But again, it should be an improved defensive unit. Nonetheless, talk to me about the matchups that you are not in love with. Well, uh, if you watched the game against Pittsburgh last week for Boston college, or if you watched the game uh, that opened the last season, Virginia tech and Boston college, you know, the name Zay flowers. He's their outside wide receiver. He's the best player on their team. Just flat out. Uh, caught three touchdown passes last week against Pittsburgh. He has four TD catches so far this season. And 
you know, this is going to be Jermaine Waller's guy. He has to lock him down one-on-one and he has to do that because they have another guy at tight end, Hunter Long, who we talked about earlier, who I think is a matchup nightmare for Virginia Tech. This 4-2-5 defense sometimes struggles against good pass catching tight ends. And it's, it's tough. I mean, again, in the same way that James Mitchell is tough for any defense to match up against, Hunter Long is. He's a big body guy, runs good routes. Usually you're going to have a linebacker on him, or you're going to say, hey, Chamari Connor, you get on him. Well, that takes a playmaker out of your you know, linebacker core. So it's, uh, it, it's going to be tough. Uh, Jay Ham is going to earn his paycheck on this one with, with that matchup. I think they can scheme around it, lots of zone. Um, again, get pressure on the quarterback so that Zay Flowers doesn't have time to just run past your secondary. And I, I actually thought Jermaine Waller, who had a couple, uh, a couple misplays, I thought he played a pretty good game coming back. Uh, he's he's an excellent tackler, quick quick routes, which is what you need against Zay Flowers. So that's that's a matchup that kind of scares me. And I think if you're looking at that minus eleven line, something that points to Boston College is those two, two guys giving a Virginia Tech defense that hasn't really been healthy, hasn't really meshed together yet this season, going to give them headaches. Absolutely. Uh, as we move forward here, we're going to get into the what would you like to see section of the podcast. And here's what I would like to see. Sustained, consistent drives is something that we have not seen. And it was quite honestly a breath of fresh air when Hendon Hooker came into the game the longest drive that we had in the two first games, NC State and Duke, was 10 plays, 75 yards, and ended in a touchdown. That was the capper and the one that put it away against NC State in the first half. Against UNC, we saw drives of 11 plays, 9 plays, 11 plays again, 8 and 8. Finally, some, some consistency. I would really like to see the offense's ability. And it's kind of surprising with the running game that we've had. The running game has just been so explosive. I want to see some of these longer drives where you're taking control of the game, your offense is staying on the field, you're getting a little bit of a rhythm. Uh, and I think some of these other players on the offense would really benefit from having more plays and a little bit more consistency and being able to get uh, their feet under them a little bit. And I know that is your next point, Sam. Take it away. Yeah, man. Uh, I'm going to keep it short. Big play, Trey. Where are you at? Uh, he has nine touches through three games this season. That's not good enough. And so I think when people are talking about play calling or, you know, the offense needs to be better. Well, first off, the offense has been dynamite. Let's just get that out of the way. The offense is sweet. But Trey Turner needs to be more of a part of this team going forward. Uh, six receptions for 114 yards is not where he should be through three games of the year. And whether that's defense is scheming against him, whether that's, you know, not having your passing quarterback and Hendon Hooker in the game, uh, it, it, whatever it is, it's, it's got to change because Virginia Tech is getting to play some games later in the season. And I think it starts right now where you can't afford to have your biggest offensive weapon out of the game. Um, so that's, that's what I would like to see. I, I would like to see him. We're going to talk about this actually at the end of locks of Saturday. Um, does he match those nine touches? Do you just get him the ball? Get him on a jet sweep, get him on a tunnel screen, the RPO game with a quick slant, like get the ball in his hands because he's not called big play Trey for no reason. He's, he can make something out of nothing. 
He's a team leader. He needs to touch the football more. And I think what's going to help a lot is Hendon Hooker. There's no doubt about it. That's his favorite target. Hendon Hooker, love going to, love going to Trey. Um, so I, I definitely can see nine's a lot. I definitely am looking though for 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 Trey to get a substantial bump in uh, in attention this week. Um, but really, that's that's something that Virginia Tech absolutely needs to have happen if we want to see continued success. Um, so looking forward to that. Keys to the game. The keys to the game are brought to you by the Hub in Blacksburg. We give you the keys to the game. They're going to give you the keys to your new apartment. The Hub in Blacksburg has a fantastic, beautiful facility. I did not know this. Uh, they actually have jacuzzis on the over overlooks or the back patios. You can get a jacuzzi on the back patio. Sorry, a little spoiled in Blacksburg, a little spoiled. But if I were living there, I would love to have a jacuzzi in my backyard. The Hub is a state-of-the-art facility. They have a wonderful weight room. They have a huge pool um, and some awesome stuff. Speaking of which, you are on campus. Shout out to Sarah Hearn and Kathleen Finn. They are handing out sweatshirts, Sons of Saturday sweatshirts. You can only get on campus, and you will get some free The Hub of Blacksburg. It could be glasses, could be some hand sanitizer, could be you know some other cool stuff, hats, shirts. Uh, but hit them up if you're interested in that. But The Hub in Blacksburg, absolutely fantastic. And if you do end up going down there, let them know the Sons of Saturday said shit. And if you do end up signing a lease and having a jacuzzi on your back patio, make sure you let them know that the Sons of Saturday referred you. Keys to the game. We need to pressure the quarterback. That is something we missed a ton against Sam Howell. To be fair, UNC did a fantastic job of working quick game against us. So when we were blitzing, they really did a good job of hitting their checkdowns, whether that was Daz Newsom on wide receiver screens or the running backs out of the backfield. They did a fantastic job of that. As you mentioned, Boston College is more of a longer play developing team. We're going to be getting defensive backs back. Again, we don't know how long they have practiced, so we really, really, really need to get after the quarterback. I mentioned it earlier. Want to see some long sustained drives. Want to see the offense really get some rhythm. It's a get back opportunity all around. Um, And just securing the football. Don't turn the football over. You can say that every game with keys to the game. And then I'll leave with this. Health. Like, key to the game, I want to see who's able to play. I want to see who's able to perform. I'm excited to hopefully see Divine Diablo in the backfield. But I would say if I had to pick one thing, get after the quarterback. Let's go. we got a talented unit. Get the defensive line back on track, and let's uh, let's see some good football out of them. Yeah, I'd say I agree with you. Is The number one thing is winning the line of scrimmage, both offensively and defensively. I think offensively it's a given. I, I think this team – will be able to run the football against pretty much everybody they play this season, including Clemson. Like, I think they'll be able to sustain a a driving uh, run game. But, you know, for me, my biggest thing is who matches up with the tight end Hunter Long? Is it going to be Chamari Connor? Are you bringing Tisdale in? We've seen that a lot. Will Alan Tisdale be playing a majority of the snaps just so he can cover the tight end? A little bit more athletic than Dax, but you kind of want Dax in there for his run stopping. Um, and also he's a team leader, energy guy. You, you need that as well. But uh, outside of Hunter Long and Zay Flowers, they don't have a lot of weapons on offense. I mean, there's no one that really scares you if you're Virginia Tech, even if you do have your second string secondary in there. Uh, they've Those two have gotten 65% of the total receiving yards this year and six of the eight touchdowns. So especially in the red zone, high pressure situations, 
third and long. Uh, BC has been really good on third and long this year, and it's quite frankly because teams haven't been able to get after uh, the quarterback on those third and longs. It seems like first and second down is the time to get to them. Uh, most of their sacks, I think I saw like uh, 12 out of the 17 sacks were on first and second down, which are usually running downs. So again, take everything you know about BC and flip it on its head. That's what Virginia Tech is dealing with this week. But yeah, it's just matching up against Hunter Long, taking away that option, making him go to somewhere else, making them try to run the football. Tech does that, they could be in for a good day. So we're going to move right along to our letters in the lunch pail. We only got only three letters in the lunch pail, four, but I liked three, so we went with three. Uh, Dale Kaiser, with the return of Hendon Hooker in the passing game, could we see Blackshear in the slot more? Short answer for me is yes. Thought we were going to see a lot more of it last week. We didn't. Sam, what do you think? Yeah, and to be honest, I don't think it matters. I don't think there's a big difference in this tech offense between that running back position and the slot wide receiver position. They run a lot of the same routes with the jet sweep game. You can clear them out and then bring them back in for the jet sweep on a read option or RPO. So, yeah, I think this is a game where he could actually have a big day. I thought he played decently against UNC. Uh, He wasn't given a lot to run with in the first half. I think this could be a big game for him. So, yeah, I'd love to see him get in the passing game, some screens, some draws. Uh, Yeah, I'd I'd love to see him get in. Another question from Dale. I don't like using the S word. The S word is soft. But after rewatching the UNC game, the defense wasn't physical enough, dot, dot, dot. Do you think we see a change in mentality this week? Not much of an option. I mean, I don't think we have a soft defense full of soft players because I have seen the players on our defense not play soft before. Uh, definitely could have done better last week. Completely agree with that. We were cut off constantly um, by wide receivers and slots on the outside run game. Uh, did not win the line of scrimmage last week. Um, but again, we do have talent on the defense. We were missing a ton of pieces. A lot of those pieces that we did have had not practiced a whole ton. Um, again, I said this on our previous podcast, coming at Justin Hamilton after he's been coaching for six days is just absolutely ludicrous when you don't have spring ball or anything else. I think we don't really have an option. I think we have talented guys on defense. They're going to bounce back. Justice Reed said, he tweeted after the game, I, I, I can be better and I will be better. Um, and I think we're going to see a stark improvement this week. Yeah, I agree. And I don't think really the mentality of the defense was the biggest issue last week. I I think the team just wasn't prepared to play that UNC team. They just weren't, whether it was because of COVID, new coaching staff defensively, they just weren't prepared. Um, And when you're not prepared to be in the right place at the right time, your your morale is going to go down for sure. Um, I think they come back with a vengeance this week. I think they tee off. I think they're going to feel much more comfortable going against this BC offense. They're going to feel comfortable being back in Lane Stadium with or without fans. And you know, there's some great leadership on this defense. Savan Diablo, Justice Reed, I've interviewed him before. He is a A1 guy. Uh, he's a winner, first and foremost. He's a winner. Um, and, and, yeah, I think you see a defense that's really fired up for this game. Completely agree with you there, Sam. Fired up about that. Um, and, yeah, Justice Reed, Amari Barno, really excited to see the defensive ends get after it. Manuel Belmar. Really, really excited. Amelia Belmar is still, um, so again, so we're kind of forgetting last week, but uh, has really transformed his game. Tap and Tierlink have done a good job. So, uh, again, really, really want to see something, some great improvement out of them and just continue on that, on that trend. 
Grant Watson, that Hunter Long kid at tight end is a beast. What do the Hokies need to do to neutralize him in BC's heavy passing attack? Go ahead, Sam. Well, we've talked about it. I don't think he's a kid. I think he's a grown man. And uh, he's a grown man that's really good at football. So, look, again, uh, Jamari Connor, Dax Hollyfield, Alan Tisdale, they're going to be the three guys that are probably matched up with him. They might bring Divine Diablo down, but if you saw last week, they're going to probably want Diablo to be able to play in the run game. Uh, you got to tight ends like that. It's timing routes for a lot of them. Uh, quick ins, quick outs uh, against the zone. It's going to be a lot of quick hook routes and finding the spot. You got to be physical with them at the line of scrimmage, match that physicality. And, and I think it's, you know, it's going to be a lot of getting after the quarterback. Don't let him get in a situation where you can have a tight end against a five eleven linebacker where the tight end just runs him down the field and says, hey, go throw me a jump ball. You can't have that. That's where BC is going to hurt Virginia Tech on Saturday. So be physical against them. Take off their timing. Uh, but he's, he's a problem, as the kids like to say these days. He's a problem. He's a very good player. Uh, so we'll see what Justin Hamilton's made out of in scheming against that. Score predictions. We talked about the line earlier. 11 61, did you say? 61 on the uh, over-under? 62. Give them that. It actually started at 59 and a half and jumped up immediately to 62. Okay. Um, so my score prediction this week, I'm going to go 45-31. I think Boston College has the ability to score the football. I think they have, ta- like you mentioned, they have really talented wide receivers. Um, Jeff Halfley's done a good job. Jerkovich has been a fantastic transfer for them as well. Um, but I think Virginia Tech, again, like I can't say this enough. Virginia Tech is as crazy as it sounds as one of the best offenses. No, as crazy as it sounds to some of you Wormburgers out there, but Virginia Tech has one of the best offenses in the country. Um, and I look for them to continue the trend of scoring, you know, 35 and up. So I'm going to go 45, 31 hoax this week. Yeah, I think I'm a little more bullish on this game than some other people are. And this is from a guy who thought they were going to lose by double digits last week. And they, they did. So I'm, I'm trying not to be too much of a homer with this pick, but man, uh, I think this is a bounce back game and it's because of things that we've mentioned throughout this podcast, um, the matchups on the offensive and defensive line, uh, getting Hendon Hooker back is huge. I don't think that can be overstated. Uh, I have the Hokies 41 Boston college Eagles 20. I, I think the sustained drives that you actually talked about, I, I think could be really key for this Virginia tech team keeping the best way to defend Hunter Long and Zay Flowers, keep them on the sidelines. And you do, how do you do that? Long sustained drives, run the football, uh, you know, limit three and outs, put them in, you know, situations where they're obvious passing situations and, you know, be able to drop back into some complicated zones to comp to, uh, you know, complicate things for Phil Yurkovich. So I got the hookies big here. 21 point win. They cover the spread. It's going to be close to the over under just because I think the defense will play really well, not because of the Virginia Tech offense. Uh, again, lots of Saturday to talk more about that stuff. But yeah, I, I have the Hokies bounce back game against the Bees rival. Because there's a lot of Hokies that still really hate Boston College, man. I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm very low. I'm not very high in Boston College after last year. That was an absolute disaster. I was there. I lost my Ray-Bans that weekend. Uh, their tailgating scene is not great. Uh, do love the set. Do love the town of Boston, though. 
We are going to get into some closing thoughts and Sharky's shout outs. We have a ton, a ton of closing thoughts. First and foremost, really cool initiative uh, being led by Coach Mike Young. The My Turn initiative empowers students to stand up to bullying at an early age. Through this organization, Coach Young helps to bring attention and awareness to bullying in schools as well as prevention tactics to the community here at Virginia Tech and surrounding areas. Hey, listen, don't be a jerk. Bullies suck, man. Don't be mean. Everybody be nice to each other. We're all in this together. No reason to be a jerk. Anyway, through this initiative, our efforts as an organization will promote the same values that my late father, Bob Young, spoke of throughout his career as an educator and a coach. Be kind to all always encourage others and show love for one another. Coach Mike Young. Shout out to that. That is a fantastic initiative. Happy to be a part of it. Look, you see something, say something. Somebody bullying somebody in the corner, stand up for him. Somebody sitting alone at the lunch table, go sit with them. Make a difference. Be the change that you want to see in the world. Let's go. Coach Young got me fired up. It's not even basketball season. The Virginia Tech Emergency Fund. For a small donation of $15, you receive a piece of Hokie Stone. Everybody loves Hokie Stone. These $15 donations will go to students who may be economically disadvantaged from COVID-19. We will have the link in our write-up for the website, so definitely check that out on the podcast write-up. I want to shout out the scribes. Student scribes have done a fantastic job. The student scribes have just gotten started. Sam Jesse, one of our student scribes and an OG, OG scribe of Saturday. So Sam, thank you and the gang for doing a fantastic job for pumping out fantastic content. Love seeing all the engagement on Twitter and everything else. Want to shout out our ambassador squad, Dan Pan, Kath, Sarah, Lauren. We got more coming. Homecoming week is this week. I hope all the students are having a good time. It's an orange out for the game. Even though we're not at the game, make sure you're rocking your orange. Please, please, please. We don't ask this a lot. Like, rate, subscribe, wherever you listen. Follow us on Facebook. We're really active on Facebook now. You can get your merchandise at sonsofsalary.com. Let's beat Boston College. Let's beat Boston College. It's time. Can't be losing to Boston College. Sam, Sam Rogers said it on the past, uh, on the past podcast. we got to start smacking teams that we need to smack, and this is one of those teams. We need to smack them around. Get the job done. I got one last thing, Sam, I promise, and then you can go. We got a DM from Chris, Ock, uh, Chris Olixley. Chris with a K. He sent us a message, a little, little, little report card. Sam, Jesse, you got a report card. Says, I was in Blacksburg last weekend. God's country. Couldn't, couldn't agree more. I couldn't believe that the town mandated wearing a masks of downtown on the sidewalks, but the students have done an unbelievable job in following the guidelines, wearing your masks, doing social distancing. He was praising the school's job and making sure students stay safe. So I want to take my cap off. I'm doing it. You may not be able to see it. I'm tipping my cap to you, Sam, and all of the students. Please continue to do the right thing. Please continue to socially distance. Please continue to wear your masks. It's bigger than you. We're on this together. Do your part. Keep each other safe. Sam, good job. Keep doing the right thing. Hey, it, it has been really awesome to see how the town of Blacksburg has dealt with this, not only from people adhering to the rules. Everyone's wearing a mask downtown. Uh, local businesses have been able to have a lot more outdoor seating, and the town of Blacksburg facilitated that. A lot of the back alleys and back streets are just seating for restaurants uh, that are now covered seating for restaurants. It's getting a little chilly down here. Uh, It's just been really cool to see this small little mountain town deal with this in the best way possible. Uh, But a lot of small businesses here are still struggling. 
Um, you know, there's a lot of, a lot to be done to get everybody back on their feet, but it's been really cool to see. I mean, that's, that's what makes Virginia Tech and Blacksburg different from a lot of college towns and from a lot of places in America right now. Um, there's definitely a sense of togetherness down here. Absolutely. So Sam, uh, we're going to let you get into your shout outs. Um, speaking of supporting local businesses, in between this podcast and the next, we will have the Locks of uh, Saturday coming up right after this. Sam, uh, Pat has a little read-off with Localite. Localite is what we're going to be using to support these businesses as they look to stay open throughout the challenging times that we are facing. Uh, we have a really cool initiative that we are tar- partnering up with Localite on. So just stay tuned for that. But Sam, shout outs and sell us. Why should somebody stay on here and uh, listen to Locks of Saturday? We got the Locks of Saturday. We got a daily double episode here. Hey man, Locks of Saturday has been a ton of fun and that's what we're really going for. Um, Look, we've been betting for a few years now and now it's finally (laughs) a little more regulated and it's, it's just really fun. And if you're, whether you're like a seasoned vet watching football or, you know, you've been betting and stuff like look, watching football games in terms of you know, the line, the over under some of the prop bets and stuff. It's a really cool way to watch the game because Vegas is really good. Like Vegas doesn't usually mess up. So when that game is minus 11, a lot of times it's an 11 point football game. And so I, I think it's just a really cool way to think about football, to think about stats and to really measure a team, um, to measure how a team is outperforming expectations. And so, yeah, hit up locks of Saturday. I do have to give a shout out to, Everyone who has been helping us out, you'll hear me introduce them in a bit. Everyone comes super prepared. Uh, we're not just, you know, talking into a mic. Uh, everyone's prepared. Everyone's ready to go. And it's awesome. Shout out to Robert Irby for actually publishing the article for me tonight. I've been super busy. Thanks, Robert. <laughs> we got it out by 7 p.m. tonight, which was awesome. So, yeah, yeah I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hop off this Zoom and hop on to another and keep talking. You got any shout outs, Sam? Shout outs. You got to shout get out. shout outs. Uh, well, you can follow me on Twitter at Sam of Saturday. I love that name. I love that it's a pretty name. Good name. It's a pretty good name. Uh, I, I was pretty proud of that one myself. Yeah. Follow me on Twitter. Uh, I love to engage on, on Twitter and I share a lot of advanced analytics stuff, whether it's articles or just random stats. That's, that's kind of where my Twitter is based off of. And uh, yeah, that, that's about all I got. Awesome. Sam, this was a ton of fun. I appreciate you filling in. We will run it with the locks of Saturday, but first we are kicking it over to Pat Finn. All right, everyone, this is Pat here. I got a quick announcement. So please would love your attention just for the next, you know, minute and a half. I have a very special announcement. Hashtag save Blacksburg. So everyone's bummed out. We can't go to Blacksburg for football games. We can't go to Sharky's. We can't gather as a mass like we used to during a normal football season. And it's a huge bummer. And Blacksburg misses us too. You know, we can't eat there. We can't stay there. We can't shop there. And we're seeing firsthand that businesses are are really taking it on the chin here. I mean, you, you see the home place is closed for the rest of the year. I saw London Underground is closed. I saw Boudreaux's is closed. Uh, Blacksburg Tap House is closed. So save Blacksburg. Hashtag save Blacksburg. It's legit. Like this is not dramatic. This is a real thing because Blacksburg needs our help. Without us coming to town during football season, 
there's an $80 million economic shortfall for all the local businesses in the NRV. However, there's some great news that we want to bring you right now from Sons of Saturday, along with the Downtown Blacksburg Initiative and the Blacksburg Partnership that have put together something here to help out the community. Hashtag Save Blacksburg launches Friday, and you could download the Localite app on the App Store. Uh, on the Apple App Store, Android's coming in a few days, and that's Localite, L-O-C-A-L-Y-T-E. You download this application, you find all your favorite local businesses that you could purchase e-gift cards from right there. So you pull up the app, you find Sharky's, you find Main Street Farm, you find Our Daily Bread, Gillies, The Wine Lab, Zeppelis, Mellow Mushroom, Tots, uh, PKs, everything is on there. You go in and you can make a real deposit and it's like you're checking out and buying a future meal for your future self, maybe in spring of 21, maybe in fall of 21. But at the end of the day, that money is going to directly uh, impact these businesses in a positive way. So uh, you'll see more shops, uh, more spots coming in on the app over the next few days. And we're really excited because Jeremy and the Main Street Pharmacy are on there. JJ and our, all our friends at Sharky's are on there. Grab a gift for yourself. You know, do a little deposit. Use promo code Sons of Sat when you are downloading. We would absolutely love that. But uh, we will be doing some deals and promotions over the next few months with Local Light. Shout out Kyle and the rest of the gang at Local Light with this incredible cause. Uh, helping out. Hashtag Save Blacksburg. Tell your parents. Tell your siblings, tell your fellow alumni friends, because this is a fantastic way to hashtag save Blacksburg. Go Hokies, and we'll see you in Blacksburg, hopefully sometime soon. What's up, sons and daughters? We are the Locks of Saturday. I got Robert Irby, Chris Himes, Ryan Hartman, Ed Williams, Brett Smith on the line. I am Sam Jesse, and we are pumped about week seven guys it is already week seven we are in mid-october and we haven't been doing this and updating this but if you read the article that is on sonsofsaturday.com uh where we publish this every week uh we are now doing wednesday nights again by the way try to get this out a little earlier not be so crowded on thursdays uh we are getting a little crowded on thursdays because we have just have so much awesome content going out our scoreboard uh we have an awesome scoreboard graphic we've been keeping score uh yours truly along with robert irby are leading the pack at 13 and 14 against the spread uh chris and brett tied for i guess it'd be tied for third place at that point at 12 and 15 and ed bringing up the rear at 11 and 16 but he's made a comeback hasn't been bad the past two weeks so making a comeback getting Uh, better but yeah uh, you know around 500 against the spread is pretty good yeah yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, wait, wait, it's a tight race. And we're picking tough games. Like, we're not giving you the cupcake games here. These are these are the big ones. And it really does not get bigger. I really don't think there is a bigger college football game that can be played in the regular season than Georgia-Alabama. Uh, we have the Bulldogs from Georgia are plus six going to Tuscaloosa. And boy, oh boy, did some news come out tonight about the Crimson Tide with Nick Saban being uh, testing positive for COVID-19. He will most likely not be coaching the team on Saturday, but we kind of talked about this offline 
probably doesn't matter too much. I compared him to the Queen of England, where he's kind of just a figurehead, but a really awesome figurehead at this point. Like you don't need him to do anything. Um, yeah, so we'll we'll just kick it off. Irby, real quick, what you got with the tide? Yeah, so I think it's interesting to look, especially with the Saban situation. Um, I guess my only hesitancy of picking Alabama here really comes from kind of their um, instability with coaching. Because uh, I was talking to one of my good friends who's a diehard Alabama fan. And um, apparently after that piss poor showing by their defense last week, um, there are rumors circulating that their defensive coordinator, uh, Pete Golding, has been stripped of his play calling duties. Um, and so there's clearly a lot of instability there with the coaching. Um, but I think with Alabama, especially with this offense, I don't really think it matters who the coach is. Kind of like what you were saying, Sam. I mean, the Queen of England herself could be the head coach of Alabama, and they would still find similar success. She'd look um, glorious in that houndstooth print. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but I think the offense is ridiculous. Like, Mac Jones is playing great, but he just has so many weapons. I mean, Najee Harris back, but it's the receivers. I mean, Jalen Waddell, Devontae Smith, John, John Mechie, Michi is averaging almost 32 yards a catch. I mean, it's really on par with LSU last year looking at this Alabama offense, and I just don't think um, Georgia's offense with Stetson Bennett can keep up. Ed, Brett, Chris, Ryan, you guys all agree with Irby and are going with the Crimson Tide. Uh, any of you guys have you know, a big reason why you're feeling Alabama in this one? Same as the reason um... – that Irby just said where I don't think that they – I don't think Stetson Bennett can keep up with the offense more. That's the only really reason I think that Alabama is going to be able to cover this is their offensive firepower is ridiculous. Um, and I just don't think Georgia can keep up. Um, Alabama should be able to hold their own defensively against Georgia's, you know, I guess in comparison boring offense. But Alabama's offense is absolutely electric and they'll be able to pull away and win by more than a touchdown. I think one angle to kind of consider too is the the strength of the Georgia defense is that defensive line, and we've all been kind of talking about it week to week when we've had them on this uh, on the locks. And this is the first game they're actually facing at almost across the board NFL caliber offensive line that keeps Mac Jones pretty clean. He's one of the least sacked quarterbacks in all of college football up to this point, which obviously allows them to develop some plays longer down the field. You have those crazy receiving threats. Uh, this is just, it has all the makings of what we all have come to know, which, you know, all things being equal, all the advanced metrics, all the against the spreads, you just, if you have Alabama at home favored by less than a touchdown against anybody in the entire nation, let alone somebody that they have a recent track history of going head to head, and winning those games by more than two scores, it's it's the pick almost makes itself. You have to kind of consider Alabama to be uh, a no brainer here uh, against Georgia plus six, or excuse me minus six. Yeah, yeah guys. Oh, go ahead, Sam. Oh no, I, I'll 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 have you go first because I have the dissenting opinion on this one. So go ahead. Oh, Brian. okay. Yeah, I have to agree with Chris. Like we've talked about Georgia's defensive line is one of the best in the country, but like he also said, I agree that Mac Jones is barely gotten his jersey dirty all season. And I think that's the one thing UJ has going for them on the defensive side. So if they can keep Mac Mac, Mac Jones clean all game, uh, I think it, the Tide are going to put up some serious points. 
Yeah, I don't. I don't have much to add. Uh, that you guys covered all the bases. I think the only thing I'm upset about is that I, I won't be able to watch this game really because we'll be we'll be playing at the same time. So that's a little upsetting. But I I think you know if there is a if there's an area for me to play devil's advocate and an area to be concerned with, it's the it's the Alabama defense, which has already been touched upon. Ole Miss took them took them down to the wire last week. And, uh, you know, that may be a more impressive Ole Miss team than, than we're, than we're aware of, especially on the offensive side of the ball. But again, Chris hit it right nail, right on the head, take Alabama under a touchdown favorite at home. It, it's gotta be, it's gotta be that pick. Guys, I'm going Georgia. And the reason why look six, the line moved from minus five to minus six for Alabama. I think that's, little too much points this game three out of the last four matchups have been by a touchdown or less and i think this is the most uh this is the best georgia defense that they've had in a while and that says a lot they're the best defense of the country no matter what statistic you look at advanced caveman statistic it doesn't matter georgia's the best in alabama i think they do have a really good offense but i i i see georgia hanging around in this game and again, we we see this with big SEC games all the time. Uh, it's it's a weird special teams play, a weird trick play here or there. Uh, that's usually what decides the game. And I think Georgia, to me, just feels like it, it doesn't feel right to pick Alabama minus six. Like that just feels like way too big of a number, especially for this early in the season. Uh, so yeah, give me the dogs. Give me Uga. I love riding with Uga a great mascot, Ugga the 10. Give me another winner here. You gave me a winner last week. Let's keep it down south. Uh, and in the SEC West, speaking of Alabama, Ole Miss minus three and a half at Arkansas. Two teams been fairly competitive. Ole Miss, Arkansas, interesting matchup. Uh, those are two two schools to keep an eye on. Let me just tell everybody that. Uh, getting better. Uh, I, I have the Rebels minus three and a half. I think that offense is just going to be way too much for Arkansas. I, I mean, this game could end up like 60 to 50. I don't know. No one really knows. Arkansas has been surprisingly good, though. Uh, you know, Robert, what are you thinking about this one? Yeah, you know, it's Arkansas has really been the most surprising team for me in the SEC thus far. I mean, just, you know, talent-wise – the only team they're better than in the SEC is probably Vanderbilt, but they're managing to just at least hang around with some really tough opponents. I mean, they should, I mean, let's just say it. they did beat Auburn last week, but then the refs decided to give it to Auburn anyway. Um, I mean, Felipe Franks, I mean, he's probably had the most up and down career, maybe of any quarterback in recent memory. Um, a lot of touchdowns, a lot of picks. Um, you know, got pushed out of Florida by Kyle Trask and he's here at another SEC school and he's played pretty well so far with seven touchdowns and two picks. Um, but I mean, like you said, Sam, I mean, that Ole Miss offense is just unbelievable. Um, shout out to David Hale. He showed a stat that last week against Alabama, um, Ole Miss gained all but 40 of the possible yards that they could have gained based on their starting field position. Um, so Alabama was almost powerless to stop them. Um, and I just don't think Arkansas has a defense that's even as good as Bama's. So, I mean, you could really see Ole Miss score maybe on every possession. Um, and Franks is just not a good enough decision maker and Arkansas doesn't have enough talent to keep up. 
yeah, I think we're all feeling the rebels in this one. Um, you know, anyone got another reason other than Lane Kiffin being an offensive genius <laughs> and probably not knowing. I mean, we ran the poll that was, do you think Lane Kiffin can name the 11 players that starts for his defense? Just their name, just their first or last name, not even both. I don't think he can. In this case, it doesn't matter. Um, I was actually confused by this line because I know Ole Miss kind of being on the road minus three and a half. That means they're more than skewed as a if they were at home, like a like six and a half point favorite if they're facing Arkansas in, in Mississippi. But given the power of the offense, it still seemed kind of low considering Arkansas hasn't showed a real ability yet to go tip or tat with a high school scoring offense. Um so I was wondering why that was. And I just looked at that Mississippi State game that Arkansas ended up winning. And people kind of conflate what Mike Leach is doing at Mississippi State with what Lane Kiffin's doing at Ole Miss. And they're just two completely different styles of offense. Mississippi State runs that short dink and dunk kind of air raid offense. And that's seen in what KJ Costello is, I believe, averaging half of the yards per attempt that Matt Corral is at Ole Miss. So he's not only being super efficient with the ball, but he's hitting long passes down the field for big scores uh, for Ole Miss. And they don't even run the assuming I mean, they don't even pass the ball as much as they run the ball. So they're just a really balanced overall attack. And it seems like they're going to score in every single possession. And you just kind of bake that together with just what Arkansas is just not there. Um, with what I believe it's Sam Pittman as the new Arkansas head coach. He's, he's got some work to do to actually get a, a, a high-level SEC offense installed um at Arkansas. So this game almost seems like it's way too low. It should be Ole Miss favored by at least, uh, I would at least give it above a touchdown. What else we got for Ole Miss, Arkansas? It's an interesting matchup because I think both of these teams have been better than what we thought. Uh, Arkansas has played everyone close. Uh, even Georgia, they gave them a run for their money in the first half. Arkansas is a program that should be pretty good. Fertile recruiting ground um, there in east eastern Texas area that Texarkana area, um, a ton of money in that program, beautiful stadium, huge fan support. They should be um, a better program. So, you know, we'll see if they can get it started this year. They're definitely more competitive because they sucked last year. Um, and we'll see if Lane Kiffin can keep Ole Miss rocking without, you know, four or five NCAA violations. That'd be great. Um, so right now we're going to move it on to Ryan Hartman with the over unders we've talked about a lot of points that are going to happen so far so ryan hit us up what you got so yeah so it's it's interesting watching the game watching the games from a different perspective i'm now watching the game with the over under in mind so watching the florida game last week as well as the omis game the the week before um it's very different mindset than than watching a typical a game against a spread i I like it. It's 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 an interesting it's an interesting it's an interesting spin on a typical game. I think there's been a ton of points in the NCAA this this year. There's been a lot. There's been a lot of points scored, especially in the SEC. And I mentioned last week on the podcast that my my mantra has been in the past betting SEC unders. I'm totally putting that on its head this week and and probably going forward. Um, we talked a little bit about the, the Ole Miss, uh, the Ole Miss Arkansas game, which I don't have on the board this week, but I do like that one as well. The over in that one is, as, as you guys have talked about, scoring on every possession. Ole Miss is more than capable of doing that. I'll start with a little with a game that that may be recency bias, and 
call it what you will, but UNC FSU over 64 is the first one on my board. And it's, uh, it's not necessarily the, the one I'm most confident in, but watching that UNC team last week tear us up and, you know, realizing with all the factors that go that and our, our defense being shorthanded in, in a lot of ways, but this is a, this is a, this oiled offensive machine coming against an FSU team that, I, I think also can put up a few points. They have uh, the new quarterback, Jordan Travis, who looked who looked also competent against Notre Dame at times. And I think UNC's defense showed very little against, the, against Virginia Tech last week as well. So this game to me is a little bit of a shootout. It's a, probably a little bit similar at against the Tar Heels last week in that the Tar Heels probably go up very big here. I don't think FSU will have the surge that we had in the in the second and third quarters, but I do think they can put up points, and I, I think that that UNC that UNC secondary is is going to lend itself to some big plays with Jordan Travis. And I mentioned on the podcast last week that he loves to throw it down the field, and he's going to test those DBs. Um, the next one I will go into is one we've already talked about, and it's an SEC over. It's Georgia and Alabama over fifty-seven. Um, this line has actually moved to 56 and a half. So I'm glad we're recording this early so you can get in there and make some, make some units back. I do think this game with, uh, we've already talked about it, so I won't beat it to death, but the playmakers on Alabama's offense are NFL caliber top, you know, top 15 first round picks, Najee Harris, Jalen Waddle. We've already talked about them, but I, I think this, this is not a typical SEC, let's pound the rock, let's take the air out of the ball. Again, I think this one goes way over the 57 mark. Um, I think against Ole Miss, you saw the weakness of Alabama's defense, and I think Georgia will have enough to exploit that to an extent. I do think Alabama wins by more than seven, but it feels, it feels a lot, guys, like a 35, 28, 35, even 42 game potentially. If, um, you know, if some mistakes are made down the field, I think Alabama's defense is their weakness this year. And I think Georgia has enough, has enough to, to exploit that. But really what it comes down to for me, is the skill players on the Bama's team. The, so the last one, the last one that I'll do is the, the one that I'm feeling most confident about. And I'll, I highlighted each of them, each of the ones that I felt most, most confident about in the past few weeks have hit. So take that with how, however you will. Um, I like over 50 and a half Auburn and South Carolina. So a, a little bit, you know, you've heard of Saber metrics. I, because we're on the locks of Saturday, Suns of Saturday, I'll call them Satter metrics, if you will. USC has played three games thus far, and the over has gone over in each of them. And in this matchup, USC and Auburn, the over has hit in five of the last six. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bank on that. I'm I'm going to use that. I, I've, I watched a little bit of South Carolina's first two games and saw – Again, a pretty good quarterback in Colin Hill coming out of a little bit of nowhere. They've been able to put up 27 and 24 points against Tennessee and Florida, respectively, and then an impressive 41 against a you know a lower tier Vandy SEC team. But if they're able to put up points in the points in the points in the twenty in the twenty comes in with their with their offense who with Bo Nix and Bigsby on the ground that have both shown that they can they can be effective. I think this is way too low. I think, you know, I don't, I'm not sure Vegas has caught up with my SEC over mantra yet. So I'm going to ride with it. I'm going to ride with it for Georgia, Alabama. I'm going to ride with it for Auburn, South Carolina. 
Um, take it to the bank. Let's let's get some units. Those are those are my over unders this week. Awesome stuff, awesome. Ed Orgeron talked about it and said that SEC football has become basketball on green. So, uh, yeah, SEC defenses not what they used to be this year. Or the offenses are just getting better because they figured out that that part of the game exists and that you can, you know, throw the football downfield and you know hike the ball out of shotgun, fun things like that. We'll take it to the next uh, game and we'll get into the ACC, ACC Coastal matchup. Uh, Pittsburgh, Miami, at Miami. Uh, I believe this one is Pittsburgh plus 10 and a half as the road dog. Uh, Irby, what do you got here? Panthers, Hurricanes. Yeah, with Pitt, they are three and two, but they are quite literally four points away from being five and oh. Um, and that is a complete, could have been a completely different story. I mean, they've lost their last two games by one point each, which is just insanely unlucky. Um, couldn't happen to a better team though, in my opinion. Um, regardless of that, I think this pit team is still very good. Um, it's the teams they lost to, I mean, Boston college and NC state, those aren't the best losses by any means, but at least they didn't lose to Duke or something, you know? Um, and I think Pitt still has arguably the best defense in the in the conference. Um, Kenny Pickett is Kenny Pickett, and he's going to make a few throws, I guess. Um, and I just think Miami just is going to be so demoralized after that beatdown that Clemson gave them. And it was – it's not that the score was that big of a gap, but it's just Miami, especially De'Aaron King, just really gave it all they had, and it really just wasn't even close. Um Derek King was running for his life, didn't really have anybody to throw it to. And I just think 10 and a half is a huge spread here. And even if Pitt doesn't win, I mean, it's going to be a competitive game. I'm going to give you two quick stats before I throw it over to uh, Ed and Brett to talk about this one. Kenny Pickett, rickety Kenny Pickett, leading the NCAA FBS in passing yards at over 1,300. Number one, number one, the Pittsburgh quarterback is number one in passing yards. Uh, and De'Aaron King, Heisman hopeful, has completed 44.3% of his passes beyond the line of scrimmage. So if the ball travels beyond the line of scrimmage, not a screen pass, not a swing pass, beyond the line of scrimmage, he is completing 44.3%. That is really bad. That's like if I went out there and tried to play quarterback for Miami, I would probably throw 44.3%. I'd probably be killed when I got sacked because I'm not that big. But, hey, at least I'd throw 45%. Maybe. Maybe I could get 45%. Uh, Ed, what are you taking here? Yeah, like I said in the article, I haven't really been that impressed with Pitt. Um, and I get that they have this, like, really good defense, but um, they've lost two straight or two games by one point each, which I get is a close game. But, um, you know, if they were supposed to be as good as they were supposed to be, they shouldn't be giving up 30 points, you know. Um, if that defense is supposed to be that good. Uh, that being said, I do like them to cover 10 and a half here for the same reason Irby said. They play close games. Um, King in a, even the slightest fashion, uh, they should be able to stay within 10 and a half. Um, so I have Miami winning the game, but I have Pitt covering just because they do seem to play in very, very close games and could easily be 5-0 and or the other way around. So um, they'll keep it close enough to cover the spread in this one. 
Brett, you brought up an interesting point about the motivations of these two teams. What do you got? Yeah, I think this is just really bad timing for Miami here. Pittsburgh's desperate after an a- for an ACC win. Let's just be real. I mean, they've lost two really, really close games in a row. And, I mean, Miami got eviscerated is the word I used on television last week. They just were completely lost and looked pretty unprepared against, uh, obviously, great Clemson team. And it was a buzzsaw, let's be real. But, I mean, I just don't believe the U is back. I think they had given big of, a bigger fight last week. But I think the big matchup to watch here is I think you're going to see a athletic pit team be able to also contain Derek King and um, the offense. I think Paris Ford, who I love, he's really aggressive. I think he's too aggressive sometimes, gets kicked out of games. I know, Sam, you love him too. But um, so much. I think he's going to be just headhunting for Derek King all night, which honestly, King was being contained last week. But I think Paris Ford is going to go out there and try to just take him out of the game. And after getting beat down last week, I think this is just a bad matchup for the Hurricanes. And this is that time of year when the Miami Hurricane hype starts to, you know, dwindle down and the wheels fall off the wagon. Um, they could prove me wrong, but I think Pitt is also capable of pulling up the upset this week. Um, I I think this is a really bad timing for Miami. Chris, last week you said. I am picking Miami. I'm rolling with Miami. You loved it. You picked them to go down and make it a game in Death Valley, and they got steamrolled during a hurricane. I don't know how you get steamrolled during a hurricane when you're the Miami Hurricanes. Chris, you got pit plus 10 and a half. You learned your lesson, didn't you? Yeah, I basically just hit the ejection. Is the ejection the pull the ejection handle on the whole you is back narrative pretty quick? And I think it was in the by the end of the first quarter of the Clemson game, it was just very obvious that, you know, uh, an, an athlete in the quarterback position does not a Miami offense make. Um, and when you look at this matchup, uh, it, it does seem that Pitt has been able to contain mobile type quarterbacks more so than kind of the traditional uh, kind of balanced passing and rushing attacks that they face so far in their schedule as evidenced by the scoreboard results in each individual matchup. Um, so I just feel like, they'll be able to do enough to contain to Eric King with all the other minuses on the Miami offensive line. They can get some penetration, make him scramble out. And as you noted, Sam, so it's when Derek King throws the ball beyond the line of scrimmage, it's, it's not even hit or miss. It's just miss. And I, I think they're going to have more misses than hits in this game. And even if Miami pulls it out, 10 and a half is just way too many points to think that Miami can pull it out at home. Yeah, guys, I got the Panthers in this one too. Um, I, I use the word resiliency. Uh, that's a word that I feel like you know, with Pittsburgh, it's still part of their program. They're just tough, blue-collar Pittsburgh, French fries on sandwiches, like mean football. And then Miami's like Miami. And they're way more talented than Pittsburgh. But after a loss, Miami folds. They do it every year. They, they do it every single year. They fold. And I don't care who the quarterback is. Uh, I don't care if Vinny Testaverde is back there for Miami like the good old days. It's not, uh, I, I don't like 10 and a half points right here. That's a big number for two teams that I think going into the season, if I look at this matchup, I'm going to say that game's kind of a toss up, you know, stick to your original ideas about the two teams. Pitt Miami is not a two touchdown game. Uh, you know, let's move on to another ACC game that I think is actually the toughest to pick of the ones we have on the board here. Because there's so many unknowns for these teams. Virginia, minus two and a half at Wake Forest in Winston-Salem. 
Uh, Virginia, it's to be determined whether they'll have Brennan Armstrong at quarterback. He suffered a concussion last week against NC State. It's been in the protocol, has not practiced yet as of uh, Wednesday night, has not practiced with the team yet. Um, and their backup quarterback wears like number 36. That's just not a quarterback. No good quarterback has ever worn 36. Let's be real. And on the other side, uh, Wake Forest, Sam Hartman. Uh, he's looked decent this year. This is not the same Wake Forest team. They are rebuilding their last game. They lit up the board against a pretty bad Campbell team. Uh, and then their game against Notre Dame was canceled uh, or postponed. I, I don't know if they're going to cancel or postpone it uh, due to COVID-19. So they've had some time to prepare, and I think that's what's going to make the difference in this game. I think they're going to have the better quarterback. Even if Brennan Armstrong's in the game, they're for sure going to have the more prepared quarterback. Uh, I think they're a really well-coached team. I think Dave Clawson is one of the best football coaches in America, just how he gets that program to consistently be competitive in the Power Five is a miracle. And I think plus two and a half, I'll take those points. I think they win the game. Uh, I think Virginia is not a bad team, but maybe not as mediocre as we thought they were going to be, if that makes any sense. Like going into the season, this is a game that I thought, yeah, Virginia will probably win this one. And now after looking at it, I'm like, oh, I really don't. I, I don't see them uh, leaving Winston-Salem with the W here. Uh, anybody got thoughts? This one, we're all over the board on this one. I'll go to Brett. You have Wake Forest plus two and a half as well. Yeah, I mean, I think this is essentially a pick em, in my opinion. It's just we're, these teams are still pretty unknown territory for me. And like I said, like in the article and also what you said, just said, Sam, is – Dave Clawson's a great coach and Mendenhall. I think it's going to be a disciplined, tough football team showing out there, both of them. And I said it was going to be ultra low scoring. And if it's under 50, 50, if it's around 50, 55, I take the under. Um, and I just checked the line and it said 61. And I don't know who thinks that there's going to be 61 points scored in this game. I don't foresee either offense really being able to put up those kind of numbers. So hammer that if you can get on it. Um, and I think it just comes down to, Brandon Armstrong be able to play and that Wake hasn't had an extra week, like you said, Sam. So I'm going to take the uh, Deacons in this. Chris, Ryan, you got the Deacons as well. Same feelings. Yeah, I think uh, for me, it's it's more of the same. I think um, the uh, Brandon Armstrong being questionable is not necessarily the deciding factor for me. It's uh, I like Wake Forest's ability to get after the quarterback a little bit. Um, shout out Boogie Basham, who's going to, who's going to play in the NFL at a Northside high school alum. Um, so I'll give a shout out to my high school alum, my high school alma mater as well. Um, but I, I think, you know, UVA hasn't shown me enough. And I think being at home, being that they are, they're playing with the more superior quarterback and going to be able to throw it around the yard. Sam Hartman is is more than able to do that. It's going to be more than able to do that against the UVA secondary. I agree. I think it's a pick I think that I think that being at home maybe tilts it a little bit for the Deeks and give me the points. Rob, yeah, you have – oh, I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, no. Go for it, Chris. Go for it, man. Yeah, just – I think this line was skewed a little bit towards UVA's uh, favor, even with Brendan Armstrong possibly being out. And I think people just saw Lindell Stone coming in and putting up 
essentially garbage time stats that made them at least look competent enough to possibly lead UVA to be a favorite in this game. And I mean, when Brendan Armstrong went down, UVA was already down 24, nothing going almost into the half before they scored a touchdown. Um, so just the inability to get reps during this week of which he's only entering his fourth potential game as a starter and no off season, even if Brendan Armstrong is a go, you know, do you, are you even confident that he has the kind of, the, the the preparation to be able to come in and not have a full week of practice. And then on the other side, you have Wake Forest, who's had almost essentially a bye week because of the Notre Dame cancel, cancellation last week. So you have a well-rested, well-prepared Wake Forest team that's been able to kind of at least do some self-assessment on the first few games versus a complete unknown at the quarterback position for UVA. And to me, it just gives the edge to the Wake Forest. So I'm actually surprised given the – the, the the unknown for the quarterback that Wake is actually an underdog at home in this game. Ed, Robert, you guys have Virginia minus two and a half. You're rooting for the enemy in this one. Uh, what points to UVA? You know, I don't take picking UVA lightly. Um, I, I wouldn't do it unless I, ha- I felt like I had to. Um, I am going to push back a little bit on the point about um, UVA's quarterback situation because – you know, as much as garbage time as it was for Lindell Stone to be in there, um, and even though he wears a kicker's number, um, you know, he did a good job of protecting the football. You know, his one interception, of course, was the one that we all saw on ESPN of the big boy getting the pick six, um, but that was off of a deflection. And other than that, he didn't turn the ball over, whereas Brennan Armstrong, when he went out of the game, he already had two interceptions in the first half. And he is just one of the least accurate passers I've seen. So I think if UVA doesn't have Armstrong out there, that may actually work in their favor. Um, And looking on the other side of it, I think Wake Forest's defense is really, really not good. I think Basham obviously is very good. Uh, But you look at the rest of their, especially their secondary um, and their linebackers, it's just not um, really up to par. You know, they gave up, 45 points to NC State, and that was an NC State team that, for whatever reason, decided not to play Devin Leary, and we saw how bad Bailey Hockman was against Tech a week later. Um, So for Wake Forest's defense to allow a Bailey Hockman-led offense to score 45 points um, is a major red flag to me. And, you know, UVA is also getting their transfer running back was just declared eligible midway through the season. Uh, the NCAA continues to blow my mind, but his name's Ronnie Walker, and I don't know if he's good or not. He barely played at Indiana, but who knows? Maybe it'll give them some semblance of a running game. Yeah, um, I, I, this kind of comes down to Virginia's defense for me. Um, I just think they're they'll be able to you know shut down Sam Hartman to an extent. Um, the the unknown of the Virginia offense is definitely concerning. Like he said at the beginning, Sam, this game was definitely the the hardest one to pick. And then, I mean, that makes sense. It's the closest spread. but uh, And it's two teams that just, quite frankly, don't really have a track record of being all that great, with the exception of, you know, when Bryce Perkins is at Virginia. Um, but I think Virginia can bounce back this week behind their defense and win this game by a field goal. Uh, I don't really have high hopes for like Robert just said, the Wake Forest defense or the Virginia offense, but um, I'll take Virginia's defense to keep them in this game and win by a field goal. 
This is definitely a measuring stick game for both of these programs who are going through rebuilding years. You know, how low will your rebuilding years go? And, and so I think it could be an interesting matchup from that standpoint. And, uh, you know, who knows what will happen when Lindell. So I just did a Google image of Lindell Stone and he looks like a kicker. It's hilarious. Um, so, yeah, we'll see what happens down in Winston-Salem with that one. Should be a good game. Uh, this is usually the point of the podcast where we go into the prop bets. Mike is not able to make it tonight, but make sure you hit up the article on SunsOfSaturday.com. We have some awesome prop bets. Uh, BYU is back in there. We get into the UNC Florida State game again. So a lot of good stuff with that one. So without that, we will get into the main event, an old Big East rival. Uh, Boston College is plus 11 heading down to Blacksburg. The Hokies are coming off a wild, crazy, weird 11-point loss to a top-10 team where Tech gave up 56 points but still only lost by 11. But they had their third and fourth string secondary. They had a walk-on from Nova and and a backup outside linebacker playing safety. So, yeah, Uh, I I don't really know if you can consider that in your evaluation for this game at all, but Boston College plus 11 at Virginia Tech. Irby, give me a breakdown. I got the Hokies here, um, and I think it really just comes down to this team thrives on emotion. Um, When they are motivated and they have reason to be motivated, they are at their best. Um, and when they are out of a game or don't re- or kind of loaf around a little bit, that's when you kind of see them um, start to slide. And this is as big a motivating game as there could be because um, I'd imagine that they feel pretty, pretty threatened and pretty, uh, pretty scrutinized after, you know, particularly the defense um, after last week because, I mean, it was one of the worst defensive performances that we've ever seen from a tech team in our lifetimes, even Chris's lifetime. Um, and you know, I think that Boston college is a solid team. They've got like little Ben Roethlisberger out there. Um, and he's been lighting it up. You know, I guess he's, what is he second in the conference in passing yards behind Kenny Pickett, something like that. Um, yeah, I, I believe he's, he's second. Okay. Okay. I think, so all the Cornelson haters out there, I think, that you're just be prepared because I don't think we're going to run Herbert a lot to start the game because Boston college has a really good run defense. And so I think they will try to do other things to um, set up the running game. So you might see Herbert only get a few carries in the first quarter again, but the good news is that we have Hendon hooker at quarterback and he can actually make those plays that will open up the run game that Burmeister could not make. Um, And so I think that the Hokies will just play motivated and hard. And I think this game will be over pretty quickly. I'll throw to our dissenting opinion from, uh, I guess, the old man, Chris. Chris, if if you guys don't know Chris, Chris is not old at all. But uh, Chris, you have Boston College plus 11. And I don't really blame you here because 11 is a big number, especially for these two teams. Class of 06 represent. Let me just go ahead and get that out there. Uh, of all of the scribes, I am the elder scribe around here, but I, I wear it as a, as a, a badge of honor, like a fine wine uh, in the Sons of Saturday hierarchy. Uh, but just going into this game, essentially, you just have to start looking at 
or secondary situation and just start thinking, okay, well, when do I actually start thinking this as a, just a liability on some end of uh, the point spread here and thinking that even if we do, as Irby said, come out to a strong start, or we're able to kind of like show up in this game, you know, what is the ability to go all four quarters without having the possibility of Boston College, which is a really well-run, efficient, almost NFL pro-style offense that they have now that they have um, with Jeff Havley, obviously the new coach, and I believe he implemented a, a, a pro staff on both sides of the ball. They have the former um, Green Bay Packers. I think it's their uh, their passing coordinator, their quarterback um, coach, um, as well on the offensive side of the ball, leading the offense. And um, I believe it's the former Cincinnati Bengals uh, linebackers coach on the defense side. So he's just instilling a better system that uh, obviously the old Adazio days, which was uh, pretty brutal to watch. Um, so it's just a different BC team overall. Um, the fact that you have a legit threat in Zay Flowers, and I don't know how we're going to cover them with our current linebackers and where they look at in kind of deep coverage on Hunter Long. That guy is going to be a problem on, on Saturday. So I just feel like they have enough tools on offense to be able to at least confidently get up and down the field on us um, and using UNC's uh, kind of game tape, a little bit of a script of how to specifically attack us with a, a pretty sophisticated coaching staff to, to design those plays. Um, and then you take into effect that we still don't know who's going to be out there. We know Diablo's going to be out there, so that's going to be an improvement, and I'm really, really excited to see how he almost changes the face of the secondary a little bit because having his absence was notable. You know, props to Matheny for doing what he did, but, you know, having Diablo is a night and day difference. Um, but at the end of the day, we're averaging 42 points a game. And so I just had to come down with, is it feasible that Boston College can at least put up over 30? And I, I think they can um, to some extent on, on this defense with what they have on offense. I, I still believe we win the game. I just don't think it's going to be a blowout at home. I think this is, and there's no shame in that. BC is a great team and this season's all about just getting W's. Just get the W, move on to the next week. That's all that matters. Um, so I think Virginia Tech wins, but I think it's going to be closer just uh, all things uh, being considered. And you have the Hokies minus 11, but don't seem too confident in that number. It's moved from 10 and a half where it opened um, and it's moved to 11. Ed, what do you? Yeah, I think my lack of confidence stems from the, the constant unknown that is up hanging around this team. Like who's going to be playing? Like we, you, the trend is, you know, going in the right direction, you know, slowly getting players back and, you know, barring an outbreak this week, we should be almost at full strength, especially in the secondary where we're going to need it this week against the passing attack that BC has this year. Um, I think we're going to be able to, I, I think we win the 11 scares me, but I think we can also cover mostly because I'm just so confident in the way the offense looked around uh, with Hendon in the game. He just, you know, he just runs this offense the way that I think it's supposed to be ran and I think the guys really get up and, you know, get motivated behind him. Not that they weren't, you know, with Braxton back there. Um, but we've seen this in the past where, you know, the team was clearly more motivated to play when Hendon Hooker was in the game than they were when Ryan Lewis was in there. Um, and I think there's a little bit of similarity this year. Um, the offense looked so good when he was in. I, I do still worry so much about the passing attack that this team really just doesn't have right now. Um, it's either a fade or a draw or some sort of misdirection, but the throwing the ball in the middle of the field has been completely non-existent outside of a touchdown that got called back this past week. Um, I really do think we need to utilize the middle of the field more. 
hit guys like Turner coming across the middle, Blackshear coming across the middle, um, and just kind of distribute the ball more than just, you know, Mitchell in the goal line and the constant deep fade route to Trey Turner or, you know, Tavion Robinson or guys like that. But I think we're going to be able to cover and win the game. It's just, you know, the constant state of uncertainty um, makes it difficult, you know, when picking a game like this. And we'll continue to do so until we're close to full strength again. So, Brad, are you a bit more confident in the Hokies? Yeah, I've. The big thing for me is this reminds me a lot of last year of the Miami game after coming off of, you know, a loss that, you know, was calling for people's heads. Let's just be real. Um, but the UNC game is a little different because we won that game in the last three quarters. Uh, and it was very clear that that team was not giving up how like we laid down against Duke last year. So I think that's a big positive coming into a week, coming into this week after a loss. Um, there's a, obviously tons and tons of positive away from the offense, but the defense was, the biggest concern, but if we can get most of the secondary back, I think we're going to be able to handle Zay Flowers pretty easy. It's not, I guess Waller will be probably guarding him. And Waller had to play out of position position last week, so that's probably why he didn't look normal where he was. Um, like I said in the article, I think Tech is more than capable of putting up 40 or so points this week. And I think they're also capable of keeping the equals under 30, especially if they can keep them from going vertical. Um so I think, yeah, Tech minus 11 here is, for me, a good pick. Ryan, you have the Hokies minus 11 as well. Uh, and it's got to feel good to be back in Lane Stadium, even without fans. Um, you know, the, this Tech team, just something about that away game, maybe it was the white on orange that I called for. I'll take uh, – that's my fault. If you're superstitious, I think that orange uniforms in any way, shape, or form are bad luck. That is my fault. I'm the one who tweeted out the idea. I'll take the L on that one, guys. But, Ryan, you have the Hokies minus 11, no matter what the uniform looks like. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think you saw how they looked coming out of the gun in that first game against NC State at home. Um, I think I think you see more of the same, even, even more so with Hendon, as has been touched on. You saw the kid jumping around. He's got a swagger about him that I just love watching him on the field. He just looks like he knows he can run this offense the, the, the best. He's the most capable person to do it. I think we've all come to that conclusion at this point. I think there it, something that hasn't been mentioned and you know maybe maybe is not a major factor, but a little bit last year going up there and, and turning the ball over as much as we did. I thought we were the better team last year. I think we're the better team this year as well. And I think some some of those guys will remember that and um, want to come out and prove that against this team. And, you know, the, the word, you know, if you listen to the Suns game recaps, they have a word of the day. I hope the word of the day after this one is attitude and tenacity, something like that, that we show a bounce back attitude and, and that we're ready to, you know, compete in the ACC and really, really show the world that and in a prime time spot, you know, um, coming up this Saturday. Yeah, guys, I have the Hokies minus 11 here too. Uh, this is one that I feel pretty confident in, and I'm going to tell you why. I think the fact that Tech went down to UNC, down so many players, not with your starting quarterback, and really, I mean, they won three out of the four quarters against a top 10 team, a legit top 10 team with a legit Heisman caliber quarterback. Um, I think that's really important to look at here. And Fuente... You know, love him or hate him. Uh, I think, you know, there's plenty of gripes to be had about, you know, Fuente's tenure so far at Tech. 
Um, you know, I think there are some fair criticisms. But one thing you got to say is he gets his team going after losses. For In the 17 losses in the past, are we in year five or six of Fuente? I really don't know. Five? Okay, yeah, we're in year five. 17 losses in those five years. Virginia Tech is 12 and five outright the game after those losses. Um, against the spread, they are eight and nine, but they have an average margin of victory against the spread of 11.7. So they're they're kicking some teams' butts. They're winning some games that, you know, you maybe don't think they'll perform that well, and then bam. I mean, I just think about the ODU game. People talk about the Duke game. I mean, the ODU game was miserable. It was terrible. That was, at that time, rock bottom. What does Tech do? They go to Duke. They play a top 25 Duke team, I believe, and they push them around. Uh, last season, embarrassment against Duke. What do they do? They go down to Miami, and they, you know, beat Miami in a big game. Tech hadn't beaten Miami in a while, and, and you know, they got that win against Miami. And I just love the resiliency of this team. I love the resiliency they showed against UNC. I love the attitude they have down players. I think Hendon Hooker is worth a couple touchdowns against a good defense. Um, and I think Boston College has been an up-and-down team. Yes, they have a win at Pittsburgh, but we're not sure how good Pittsburgh are. They've been very iffy. Um, they played close with Texas State. Um, an ACC team should never be playing close with Texas State. Uh, and, you know, we get into this in the, in the game preview podcast, which is right before this one. If you've been listening the whole time, thanks for sticking with us. Um, I, I don't know if Boston College has the matchups on the offense and defensive lines for this one. I think Tech can dominate the line of scrimmage. And if this team can dominate the line of scrimmage, you know they're going to be able to run. Uh, give Hendon Hooker some time to pass the ball and then get pressure with four. Longer developing plays, not really a running quarterback in Yurkovich for Boston College. Get pressure with them. Uh, Boston College already let up 17 sacks in four games. That's 4.2 sacks per game. That's really bad. That's like really, really bad. Uh, give me the Hokies minus 11. Uh, I think my score prediction was like 41-20. I think they get a late touchdown. Um, we'll call it a Braxton Burmeister keeper up the middle for a late touchdown to make it a three-touchdown game. Uh, but one thing that I would really like to see, and I'll open this up, Trey Turner only has nine touches on the season. Nine. Six receptions and three carries. That's not enough for someone named Big Play Trey. He needs to be a part of this offense. This offense needs to diversify its portfolio a bit. And it seems like he's the guy that they really need to buy in on. Um, so I'm going to throw this to you guys. Uh, Trey Turner. Plus or minus eight and a half touches in this game. Will he match the nine? Plus eight and a half. Nine is not a lot of touches for one game. It's really not. Yeah, I, I'm, I, I love the over there. Uh, Trey Turner has been quoted saying he came to Virginia Tech because Hendon Hooker came to Virginia Tech. These two showed chemistry last year. Eight, eight and a half a lot, eight and a half a lot. Uh, but I do see him getting into the end zone at least once. I do see him getting the ball more. This is a North Carolina connection that's back on track. And, and I, think, I think we see a lot of Trey Turner, a lot of big plays from Big Play Trey this weekend. If I give you plus 150, are you taking Trey Turner over eight and a half receptions? I'm taking it to the bank. I'm taking it to the bank. And I, 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 I'm with you. I, I, I agree with you on everything. 
excuse me, not, not, not even receptions, touches, runs plus receptions. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I'm still on it. Yep. Irby, you look a little less uh, confident. Yeah. I'm going to take the under here actually on that. Um, I think that the main reason why we haven't seen Trey touch the ball that much, I think it kind of factors into what um, opponents knew about Virginia Tech going into the season. And the only real definite threat, you had seen flashes of Tavion, you'd seen flashes of Mitchell, didn't really know what you were getting in Herbert or anyone in the running game. The only definite offensive threat was Trey Turner. With Damon Hazleton gone, it was Trey Turner. Um, And so defenses, I feel like, have really keyed in on limiting his ability to make those big plays, and that has opened the door for those three that I just mentioned. Now, have those guys been successful enough to open up the door for Trey to have more touches? I don't know. I think that day will come. I just don't know if it's this this Saturday. There might be one more game of Trey getting kind of limited, and you might see a big game from a Mitchell or a Robinson. Um, and, you know, it's interesting, too. You talk about that Hooker-Turner connection, but Trey Turner didn't have a catch after Hooker came in. Both of his two catches on the day came from Burmeister. Um, so I think it's interesting to see just kind of how Boston College tries to limit Trey or if they'll, you know, put him in single coverage all day. He did have the touchdown reception that was called back for an ineligible man downfield. I think, and it was on a really nice, crisp slant route. And I think that's what they're going to look to utilize. Uh, we go into Jeff Halfley's uh, NFL style defense a little bit in the game preview, but uh, there's open room there um, in like the five, six, seven yard range from the line of scrimmage for some quick tunnel screens, some slants, some quick out routes. So I look for him to be involved there. I take the over. I think we're going to see some jet sweeps as well, um, especially with Hooker, who just has the better, more confident decision making, more confident in being able to throw off of that RPO and not just keep the ball for himself or hand it off to Herbert. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna have the over. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take the over. I'm with Ryan. I think there is a little bit of a connection there between Hendon Hooker and Trey Turner. Uh, Chris, Brett, you take my bet plus 150. Trey Turner over eight and a half touches. I think I think I'm going. I'm gonna agree with Irby here. I'm leaving it up to Chris to make the decision. Um, to, I think Irby nailed it on the head. I think they're keying in on him because how great of a year he had last year, even with Damon Hazelton, and since he was the guy coming in, I think that's why. It's opening up for other guys. Um, and I think it's going to be the same this week. And I think it's going to be the same all year, which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing. Chris, I mean, geez, <laughs> Trey Turner is obviously our best receiver. I mean, there's no doubt. But I think it's going to open it up for guys like Blackshear coming across the middle. Tavian Robinson, who's shown great success already in the season, and he's a true sophomore. I think it's – and James Mitchell. I think if you are going to keep James Mitchell open, you're going to have lots of problems on the defense. So I don't think maybe people keying in on Trey Turner is necessarily a bad thing. Granted, I think we will do better with more touches with him, but I'm going to go with the under here. I think he gets like five or six. He get, he get, I think he's going to get some targets, but I just don't foresee him getting nine touches this week as well as the other receivers have been playing. Right, that wasn't a Freudian slip. I was a legendary, legendary flag football <laughs> champion at Virginia Tech during my heyday. Um, but you you uh, you definitely you definitely keyed in on the one point. I feel like the the 
defense is keying in on Turner and the opportunity over the middle. This seems more like a Tavion Robinson opportunity to be able to go over the middle, be that kind of short possession guy, possibly James Mitchell, which I think would be the best. We don't always need to have James Mitchell just streaking right down the hash line all the way for a 20-yard, 30-yard deep ball all the time. Like He is a nightmare for opposing linebackers because of his athleticism and size. And if the ball is given to him somewhere in that like sweet spot of seven yards deep, that is something that's probably going to be open all day because I just don't know who else can match up with them on DC's uh, secondary or their, their linebacking core right now. Um, so I think Turner serves probably better as like the keep him honest by just throwing a ball in his direction down the field. And then that opens up everybody else to be able to cross over the middle and do what they need to do. And then also the run game as well. So um, I probably put him somewhere in that like overall five to seven touches total, including rushes and catches. But I, I don't see him breaking the bank over eight and a half. That, that seems like way too many based off of last year and, and this year as well. Ed called in. He has he uh, had some unfortunate computer issues, but he called in with the under nine touches. I I, I feel like this is a game for him to really make some plays. And I maybe that's me being hopeful. I don't know. I am hopeful that Virginia Tech comes out more prepared than they did last week. I do not think they were a prepared football team last week. I don't think it was mentality. I don't think it was really a matter of the guys on the field. I think the team just really wasn't prepared um, to defend that type of offense. It looked more like film study preparation, not uh, practice time preparation. So uh, I think Tech bounces back. I think this is the game that Jay Ham the defensive coordinator for the Hokies really makes his stamp. There's some tough matchups. Uh, tight end Hunter Long's going to be a really tough matchup. He's a really good football player. And then Zay Flowers, he had three touchdown receptions last week against Pitt. He's their number one target. Uh, he's an electric, electric football player. So it'll be an interesting game against an old Big East rival. The old heads of Hokie Nation hate Boston College. Uh, and you know what? I don't like him too much either. I was at that Matt Ryan game. We all know what happened. And since then, beat Boston College. You have to beat Boston College. Uh, it's going to be a big win for the Hokies if they can get it. Season-defining, potentially, if they want to make it to Charlotte for the ACC championship game. And we'll see what happens. And we'll see if they cover that big 11-point spread. And thanks for joining us, as always, everybody. It's been awesome. Week 7, we're really in it, guys, mid-October. As always, go Hokies. PPC.